Tip number one, getting started. What would you tell people that want to get started? Homework is important. Pre, pre homework. Um, Joel Salatin said something in one of his books. It was either pasture, poultry, profits, or uh, beef. What do they call it? Salad bar beef or the one that you mm -hmm. referenced. You can farm or something that effect. Mm -hmm. The first thing you need to understand is if you're going to try to grow food for money and make a living at it, and I'm that's that's my business. That's I'm not a homesteader. This isn't a hobby. This is a business for me. So that's where I'm coming at this from. I honestly have no idea. I mean, hobby farmer or homesteader, or you, you want to have a day job and ha live on property. That's a whole other question. If you want to run a business that depends and then you want to put food into the food system and make money doing it, figure out your customers first, figure out where you can sell, what they're willing to pay, where do they live? How far do you have to get that product? Move it to get to them. Will they come to you for it? And that requires a lot of due diligence and a lot of research. Um, there's 13 questions that you'll ask me. Where do they get that information? How do they do that due diligence? <laughs> um, ironically, the government has a lot of that information handy. Because we do have systems that talk about demographics and income levels and people's attitudes and perceptions. Um, there are publicly, avail publicly available research studies that talk about people's opinions about how much money they're, they're spending on vacation or how much money they spend on food or whatever. Okay. So you may have to dig and I don't have any URLs to give anybody. I don't have any short short answer to this question. Every situation is going to be different. You may have a, a chamber of commerce office. You may have a agricultural office in your county. You may have um, a friendly restaurateur who can give you some insights. Other farmers are great resources for that kind of stuff. Talk to them. What are Definitely. They sure. Right. Um, but know what, who you're going to sell to. And then figure out what you're going to sell unless you just don't give a rip and you just want to sell what you want to sell. And then you're taking a huge financial risk. Great. But my, my, my success depends on selling a lot. I need a lot because I need, I need money. And so I have to sell a lot. That means I have to find out what the most possible people want, which means there's a balancing act between selling a commodity product at 99 cents, like Walmart eggs, for example. Mm -hmm. I, I could never produce an egg for 99 cents and I'm not big enough, um, nor do I want to. So how many customers do I have in the marketplace that are willing to spend six bucks on a dozen eggs? I honestly don't know, but I know there are more of them in Missoula than there are in Victor. <laughs> so that's where I go to sell, right? And I got to go run around and find them. Tip number two, following the rules. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that I blindly follow every rule out there, but I do tend to look at them and scrutinize them and say, hmm, 
is it fair that I can't sell 1,001 chickens? Or should I really work hard to make sure that I stop at a thousand? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Joel, Joel Salatin, um... he went through this extensively and he said, I think he has an exemption of a thousand or 4,000 or some number. And he looks straight in the camera and he says, and we never exceed 1,000 chickens a year. And then he walks away. <laughs> it's like the guy's a multimillionaire, and it's not because he's selling a thousand chickens a year. I guarantee it. Yeah. So, anyway. Yep. Tip number three: enforcing those rules. But the the beautiful part is, enforcement really isn't that strong. So, no one's really kind of creeping up behind me saying, "Hey." Can you show me records? Is that a thousand or thousand one? You know, your exemption's only good for a thousand. We're gonna ding you. No, there's nobody calling. So I don't know. Have you ever tried to count a thousand chickens? Like, also, have you ever tried to count more than twenty five? It's hard, <laughs> dude. Every time I walk out my pasture, I, I see that, and I, I mentally go, "That's three hundred twenty five chickens." And then I will play the game sometimes. I'm like, okay, five, 10, 10. Oh, geez. I get about to 25 and it's like, okay, let's forget it. I can't. But yeah, yeah. it's ridiculous. No. Tip number four, ask questions. Um, go to the farmer's markets. See what they're selling. Figure out what they're selling. What are the prices? Take notes. Take pictures. Talk to people. I mean, look at it like, imagine you're buying a business what are the questions you would ask to do that? Well, how much money did you make? How do you make that money? What are the shortcomings of your business? All those kind of questions and answer those questions and then decide, is this something I want to do? It'll scare the hell out of you, but it's super fun. It's the it's best a, job, the yeah. best job I've ever had. And if you do go to farmer's markets and talk to farmers, buy something from them to thank them for their time. They're like, they don't like looky lose. Like you're, you're, they're being nice by answering your questions. You can at least take the time and, you know, buy some zucchini or some whatever tomatoes from them, literally anything. Uh, yeah. yeah. Cause they're, they're there in the hot sun all day or in the rain or whatever, you know, that's just, a great point. And that that's, I think just, take just a farm. courtesy. Go take a farm tour and then hit their farm store when you're done. Give them the, give them the thank you of the transaction. Shop yes. local, buy the stuff. Don't buy, don't buy stuff you don't need, but man, if you need a dozen eggs, Hey, I got these for six bucks. What do you think? <laughs> yeah. Tip number five, going alone. What do you think about woofers? People like work or work weekends on organic farms or um, that type of thing, like farm help. To be honest with you, I don't know much. Uh, I'm I'm familiar with the term. I don't have an opinion on it because I don't I don't see controversy there. Um, I think. I am lucky that I'm able to do everything I do on this farm by myself with, I mean, on a day-to-day -day basis, I don't have hired mm -hmm. hands. I don't have staff. I have enough hours in the day to get my 
chores done and still chip away at projects. Um, maybe someday. And again, I think that comes mostly because I'm a, a privileged person who has a primary income coming in a different, completely different door. My wife, right? She makes the money and I get to play at the farm all day. Uh, I might sure. play as my play as a business though. So I'm not, it's not just me screwing around, but you know, I think if we uh, really evaluate what, what are the, I guess my, my question is people who work on farms, are they trying to learn? Is that what they're trying to learn? Pick up the best practices and habits and understand how businesses operate and then take those, that knowledge and go elsewhere and start their own farm. Is that kind of the controversy? Oh, there's no controversy. Just, um, just like some people don't like, it's more of a burden than they're worth. So when almost 10 years ago now, I worked on a, on a beef Mo the, their primary income was beef. They had some, some dairy cows and stuff like that. Um, uh, like for six weeks in Montana and, you know, I, I, I just needed to get away from whatever I was doing. That was kind of like my, sure. like my thing. I just, whatever I was doing, wasn't happy. Needed to go do this other thing, clear my head for a while. And so she was like explaining to me how like, you know, oh, like woofers or farm help, I guess, is it not just woofers specifically, that your you shouldn't run your farm or whatever operation based on that kind of help. You should be able to run it without it because they're not always going to be reliable. And it takes quite a bit of time that usually they don't have to get that help up to a level that you really need them at. I mean, it's really just like training like an employee um, at anything. They're like, okay, so you paid them $15 an hour or whatever, an employee um, to start. They are worth maybe five when they start because they know nothing unless they're, I mean, we're talking brand new, right out of high school, never worked a job before type of type of skills, right? They they're and so this this was me working on a farm. I've had like I've worked on my uncle's hobby farm, but he didn't have he'd had vegetables. He didn't have beef. He didn't have dairy cows. He didn't have things like that. I just had had a work ethic. Um and so it um so there's that and uh oh I had something else but I kind of forgot forgot what the rest of it was but um just well i think i think i get don't I, I think i get i'm getting where your question is so there's two sides to this and i'm not familiar with the term woofer i'm sure it's, it's an acronym for something i don't know what it means but um work on farm something um yeah temporary workers or volunteers or interns or whatever um, to be honest mm -hmm. with you, I, I share the, the woman's sentiment. I am, I am probably next year will be at a place 2022. I will be at a place where I need help. Okay. I'll have so many animals dropping calves and 
piglets and chickens and brooding and feeding and managing tons of feed at a time and what, what have you repairing structures, moving animals. Um, my days are going to get away from me and I'm not going to have time to do what I'm doing now, which is the additional projects to continue to grow the farm. So something's going to have to give. So either I get stuck at the same level that I'm at now forever, which is not my goal. I want to grow every year and, and, so I'll have to add employees. So I will be, I've, I've seen people, farms in my area, take on volunteers. And I think, man, like you're saying, I have to hold this person's hand. I have to tell them exactly where the shovel is in the green shed and not the square shovel, but the round shovel. No, 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 not the trenching long skinny shovel let me show you and now it takes me away from my work and now i've got to go help them which should have been a simple ask right simple simple yes. question so i understand that question but there's also that that pinch point of but i still need help sure <laughs> yeah they could leave you high and dry though like hey you know this 100%. uh mm, I'm not really feeling it just like an employee. They can leave at any time, you know, yep. they can. And that's where you have to just build relationships with people and trust them and yeah. decide, it's, decide uh, early, decide early and often is, do I trust this person enough to have them on my farm as a coworker, support person, employee, what have you. Right. And, I think that goes back to a lot of how you think about the world, how you see the world. Are people out to get you or are people generally good and willing to help and yeah. step up? So that I, I can't Is this person going to show up on my property, break their leg <laughs> and then try to sue me, you know, right. like, right. Yep. All yep. these, all these kinds of things. So, yeah, this is probably not the, the best business to be in if you're, a person who's skeptical of people's intentions. Probably not. <laughs> no. And I, I, dem demographic makes a difference too, but you know, there's bad actors everywhere you go. So, you know, you there are, but it, it's, you talk about a long game, uh, man, I can't even imagine how much, how big of a pain in the neck it would be to try to game some farmer out of some profit or, I mean, good God. Yeah, they're already like they'll they'll tell you they're broke. You know, all their assets is, are tied up in farm equipment and whatnot. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Tip number six: picking your livestock. Invested a lot of money in in livestock, cattle, for example, pigs, sheep, uh, a lot of chickens. I would not have started that big. I would have started slower. Um, and gone deeper into chickens because I think chickens are by far the quickest way to start earning income, not layers, but meat birds. Um, sure. Yeah. By far the quickest turn. Tip number seven, customer certified. Joel Salatin, one time I heard him on a video say, oh, we're better than organic. We're customer certified. <laughs> I thought, nice. You know, that's, that's really the best. It is in a way though, it's, it's um, playing both sides of the coin. On one hand, 
we spend as farmers a lot of time trying to educate folks, consumers, about the importance of choice and what a choice means if you're buying a cage-free egg, which means something, a pasture-raised egg, which means something, or a pastured egg. They all mean different things, but there's no legal definition. So marketers, which I am one, uh, but in the agriculture side, play games with stretching the truth, exaggerating, set using those hot button words that have been out in the marketplace to get their product sold without the consumer. So the consumer sees a cage-free egg, for example, and they think, wow, that's that's great. California passed a law while I lived down there about, you know, if, if a chicken is in a cage, it has to have so many square feet by so many square feet and so on. Um, and that law passed because... As humans, we don't want to see animals suffer as a general rule. So that seemed like a reasonable thing to do. Well, free range chickens, they can still live in a barn full time, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. And that's a free range chicken. That chicken may never, never see the see sun, the, never see the sun, right? It may never wow. see grass. It can live on a concrete floor covered with wood chips that get replaced every few days. Anyway, so the games that people play with words matter because when you say I'm customer certified, yes, Joel Salatin is probably one of the best people out there who has tried to educate consumers on what that, what the terms mean and where the food comes from and those sorts of things. But he's also admitting that customers don't know everything and they've picked me as their choice. Right. And so they're trusting all of the previously known information about Joel Salatin to um, to make their choice to buy his eggs or his beef or his pork or what have you. And that's fine. And I don't begrudge him because he's fantastic and he was one of my early idols of getting started. Tip number eight, consumer education. I, I love the education that Joel Salatin has been putting out, but at the same time, we can't just like hope that he does like all the education because like just for like you know education to consumers that is because right. i have one of his books you can farm sitting on a bookshelf if you ask my wife like ask my wife who is joel salatin i guarantee you she will be of like say i have no idea who that is even mm-hmm. though almost every day she like sees the cover of that book and just like, I don't know. Yeah. Which, which is fine. I'm not like it, it it's just a, it's just another author. Like I'm not going to remember, you know, I mean to her, it's another author anyways, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, I'm not going to remember all the authors of the books that she has either. So what I'm saying is like, I feel like as, as farmers, ranchers, homesteaders that are trying to, um, you know, sell our products, like, half the battle is to educate, which as if the job wasn't hard enough, like, you know, yeah. and that, why, that's like, one of the why does your egg cost $6 a dozen? Like, well, exactly. because let's see, blah, 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 right. blah, blah. Right. And, and it, it's a, it's a very uh, careful balancing act. I, I really enjoy the farm tours because of that going back to Joel Salatin, I think to your point, He's one guy who gets a lot of press. That's great. But 
did you see the press as a customer? Maybe not. So now as a, I guess, I wouldn't call myself a disciple, but someone who has learned a lot of the principles that he has used and now I have, I have experimented with them and I've adopted them and modified them and taken other people's learnings and other people's ideas and my own ideas and have my own farm. It's my turn to affect the people I can locally. Tip number nine, farm tours. One of my right. biggest, one of my biggest focuses is to get folks to come take a farm tour. I don't really have to do much to an uninitiated person who just wants to come see a cow. They just want to see a cow up close. Uh, they want to see how our eggs are grown. Or, or, they, or maybe they don't know what they want at all. They just know we have animals here and oh my gosh, isn't it neat? Harkening back to the 10-year-old Joe Singer who lived in a city who thought that was a cool th way to spend a couple hours, right? So yeah. I really connect, I connect with that, with that idea a lot. And so I am, my doors are always open to guests. I'd like notice so I can have my act together a little bit when they show up, but right. we do put on the like, presenter face. Yeah. Right. But we'd like to live through transparency and you go back to the certification questions there's not, I, I hide nothing. If you have a question about anything, you want to see my feed bags, you want to look at the labels, you want to see how the animals are treated here. I can explain it all and show it to you right here. It is. So, so again, touching one more time on Joel Salton's customer certification. I think the farm tour is the linchpin to achieving that. I think getting, getting your sure, customers yeah. or, or just curious people to come to your farm, spend time with you, get to know you, the farmer, um, and learn about your processes. Like you're, you're asking me these great questions. Kids are some of the best farm tour patrons there are because they're just gleefully curious and they're not afraid to ask questions where their parents may. So, so the farm tour is a tool that I use extensively talking again, back about tactics or systems I use. Farm tours are one of the best marketing tools I have because I live in an agricultural heavy area, but on a Saturday, folks are willing to drive the 45 minutes from the 100,000 person city up north and come down and check me out. And I really love when they do. Um, most of my eggs are sold to restaurants, to be honest with you. Uh, I find a lot of, I, I, I get excited about that coming from the restaurant business, but because I get to reach a lot of people that way they get to eat my product and they don't even know they're eating my product, but I don't care because I know it's a good product. It's healthy for them. What have you, my private customers, I'll say my, my household customers without exception have all taken a farm tour. Not wow. one person has bought an egg from me because my eggs are not $3 a dozen. They're six ninety nine or $6, depending on how, where they buy them. I have right. a premium egg. I've charged a premium price um, and it covers my costs and gives me a little bit of profit. But um, folks aren't willing to pay that here in Montana. They've got chickens in their backyard down the road from me. But folks in Mont Missoula or the other cities I mentioned, they think it's novel. It's, it's an interesting. So finding my niche has been a challenge this year, but I think I finally did. I found some ag agreeable 
restaurant folks uh, who understand the value of what I'm selling and they, they're happy to pay the price. So uh, I'm happy to have them as customers. So, Tip number 10, test your pasture. I can tell you something I wouldn't do again. <laughs> so that's my next do. question. What have you tried that failed or didn't work well? Well, we talked about rotational grazing on crappy pasture. That's one thing. Underestimating. Know what you're. Know what you have before you commit to a decision. I think because that's one thing. How would you do that? No, well, like knowing what you know now, like get like a test or something. Yeah. So there's resources here in Montana, and I would imagine there's probably resources in lots of places around the the, the country. Um, uh, extension office is the term that we use in this area. I don't know if that's a common term. I know they had extension offices in Oregon. But they may not be universal for everyone listening to this. Um, it's a it's a county uh, based organization that they have all kinds of information that helps you make decisions. So, what is the pH of the soil? What should it be to raise the crop you're trying to grow? Uh, what mm, kind of minerals okay. are in the in the grasses and hays that your cattle are eating, so that you know what to supplement to them, so that they have a healthy system. Um, you can have your hay tested for all the nutrients, proteins, fats, all the different pieces of the puzzle for your cow diet. And so I would have done those things sooner. I did do them, um, but I did them later than I probably could have. Well, I know I could have done them sooner and I would have learned what I know now earlier, which would have helped me avoid mistakes. So I guess the mistake is, if I, my impulse was get my hay tested right away and I delayed by 30, 45 days or whatever. And so what I didn't realize is my, my cows were eating an inferior hay. It wasn't bad. It was just average, but I wasn't given the proper mineral. So it didn't cause any harm that I noticed to the animals. But when I realized it, I felt guilty. <laughs> it's like feeding your kids sure. without knowing any better feeding your kids some junk food, thinking you're doing the right thing. And then realizing because you get new information, oh my goodness, I've made a mistake. So you got to move on from right. those. And, and I have. So um, one of the biggest things I could have done earlier that I should have done earlier and I regret not doing earlier was calling the county weed control district. They will come out here in Ravali County is where we live uh, they they have a free service that they offer to folks who have pasture or land. They will do an inventory for you of the plants on your pasture. And so they they taught me that I have cheatgrass, I have two kinds of mustard, and a whole plethora of other things. I think I've got 37 different kinds of plants growing on our pastures. Different pastures have different plants because they're different environments. One's super dry, one's sub-irrigated, one's, one has surface water on it. So different plants require different environments. The pasture that I was going to be using for my cattle was almost exclusively garbage, cheatgrass and mustard. <laughs> so, but being the uninitiated cattle person, cattle farmer, conventional wisdom says... For, for rotational grazing, let your grass grow to six to eight inches before you turn your animals out, give them a day and move them. And that way the grass has enough growth 
that it can feed the animal, but it can also regenerate itself. You're not eating it down to the dirt, right? So like a good newbie. Is that the Alan Savory model? Basically, yeah. I think he was the he was okay. the, the first person to discuss those sort of parameters of how to graze, but not too much, right? And then Joel okay. South and took it to the next level. So I looked at my pasture. We have all this beautiful green grass growing everywhere. I thought, oh my God, this is going to be fantastic. Because we moved here in November, so it was already gone. You know, it was already late, almost winter. So the first spring, oh my, this is beautiful. Look at this grass. I'm out taking pictures of my cows with this beautiful social media foreground of these waving (laughs) grass in the foreground. And I thought I was so proud of myself at the time. And then the county like came I out. Hit a gold mine here, yeah. Right, I jackpot, man. We're doing okay. And I, as soon as it hit six to eight inches, I turned out the cows, and they came right back to the barn after eating for about an hour. That's when I. That's when I was experimenting with my rotational paddocks. They came back, and they're like, "And where's the hay, knucklehead? There's nothing out there to eat." 